Welcome to day 310 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp, and uh, we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of John. Uh, unlike uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who concentrate on Jesus' ministry in Galilee and then in Jerusalem, uh, John moves us back and forth, you know, seamlessly from scenes in Galilee to scenes in uh, Jerusalem. So from John's Gospel, we gather that uh, Jesus did as we would expect him to do to go to the common Jewish feast and to be a part of him uh, for his entire you know, span of his ministry. So we do that as we move from chapter 4 into chapter 5. We move from Galilee you know, back into the city of Jerusalem. And every time Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the controversy builds the tension between Jesus and the teachers of the law. Uh, becomes ever uh, more marked. And in chapter 5, it'll become... Uh, distinctly marked as they hear him saying for the first time that he and the Father are, are one. So before we uh, read um, John chapter 5, let's do as we always do. Let's pause and remind ourselves that we come here uh, not just to enjoy the narrative or the, the beautiful way that John has put his gospel together or to learn a few Bible facts or even to check off a spiritual discipline and um, slowly push it aside so we can move forward in our day. We we come here to meet Jesus, to see him, uh, to hear his words, by his spirit to be built up in him, uh, to be transformed into uh, his heart and his character, and to follow him uh, ever more closely as we do. So uh, before we read, David, do you mind lifting us up? No, let's pray. And Father, that is what we ask. We come to you um, weak and needy. And so, Father, may we um, be nourished now through your living word as we encounter the real Jesus of Scripture. And may that renew our hearts and refresh our affections for him. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful words uh, of the Gospel of John. As we turn to them now, may we be built up and may we be encouraged as we look to Jesus, our Savior. We pray this all in his name. Amen. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic, is, in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to them, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. 
Jesus gave him this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but he has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming, and now has come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is a son of man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice nor seen him, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I've come in my Father's name and you do not accept me, but someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed in Moses, you would believe in me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? And Jesus here points to several uh, several different testimonies in his name, the testimony of the Father through the works he has given, the testimony of uh, his, his word, uh, the testimony of you know John the Baptist, and even the testimony here of Moses. So it's a passage where everyone you know that the uh, everyone that the uh, teachers of the law would appeal to or could possibly appeal to or could possibly question is pointing toward Jesus, and yet they're still rejecting Jesus. And of course, you see kind of the highlighting that as you search the Scripture diligently. You're mm-hmm. great Bible students as far as the time you put in and the devotion you put in, but you've completely missed the point. And if we study the Bible and we miss what they are doing leading us to Christ, then we have uh, missed the heart of it altogether. So it's uh, <clears throat> there's a big turn in the passage, as you see, uh, you know, the tension intensifying between uh, the teachers of the law or the Jewish leaders uh, and, and Jesus, and of course will ultimately lead to the cross. Mm-hmm. 
No, and you see that happening there in, in verse 24, this idea that I definitely know I'm guilty of, of. You can fail to kind of understand the Old Testament when you don't see it pointing all of itself towards Christ. That it's not just this kind of biblical knowledge acquisition, but it is this pointing to Christ. And these men have studied it so diligently, and you have failed to see even what Moses was saying when, when he pointed to Christ. And so what a reminder of all the scripture what it's informing us of is, is Jesus. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. But it's not only the Old Testament, it's, mm-hmm. it's the New Testament as well. Uh, we can study Scripture in order to learn facts about Scripture, to diagram sentences, to come up with moral principles, you know, to live by, and, and we, we miss the gospel. We become, you know, just what the Pharisees were, very exacting, you know, and our rules and our precepts. And, of course, Isaiah spoke about this. He said, uh, all of your teaching are line upon line, precept upon precept, rules that are taught by men. And, and you, know, you have you know this this idea that we can be very exacting in our biblical moralism. We can be very exacting in our uh, you know in the things that uh, we we want to do. We can you know do like you know they do here. We can be the Sabbath police mm-hmm. and yeah. run around you know finding somebody carrying a mat. Yeah, How you dare doing? you carrying a mat you know on the Sabbath? Uh, but miss you know the heart. And of course, in the other gospels, you know uh, Jesus says to them. Uh, go learn the meaning of this. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, they have, they have missed that. And, and from my understanding, carrying the mat wasn't even one of the laws. It was kind of something they've maybe invented. It was a law within a law yeah. within a law within uh-huh. a law. Just like Isaiah said, it's a precept upon the law, precept rules that mm-hmm. are you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, principles that are you know, simply you know, taught, by, you know, taught by men. And uh, it was kind of a fence that they built around. Here's all the things that you can't do on the Sabbath. Uh, but Jesus is, uh, you know, re- reminding, you know, uh, uh, and it will remind them in the other Gospels, there's a lot of things you do on the Sabbath when it is convenient for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if your ox falls in a ditch, you're, you're going to get it out. And later he's going to talk about, uh, you know, if your son needs to be circumcised, it happens to be the eighth day and it falls on a Sabbath. You have your choice, you know, which command are we going to have to circumcise our sons on the eighth day or to obey the Sabbath? Oh, my goodness, you know, we'll, we'll circumcise our sons. When it's convenient for you, when it you know, fits your, your purposes, you you violate the Sabbath. But what are God's purposes? God's purposes are to restore uh, you know, to us everything that we've lost in the fall or lost. In, and, of course, there's a clear demonstration of that in the healing of this man. And I was so intrigued that they were more concerned about this man carrying his mat than they were making an observation that <laughs> he may have been paralyzed, but now For he's walking. Years. <laughs> yeah. Now he's healed. Most, most of these guys are probably less than 38 years old that are making you know, this kind of judgment. And mm-hmm. so for his, their entire life, he's been sitting there mm-hmm. you know, at the pool. Uh, we're not you know, told. You know, it sounds like he was a paralytic mm-hmm. uh, because he couldn't get into the water and because uh, you know, he's told to pick up his mat and, and walk, mm-hmm. which is you know, very common. You know, that Jesus, so they had seen him you know, for years, and the, and the, the, the first thing they should have done is praised God that, you know, that he, was, he was walking, mm-hmm. not saying, oh, my goodness, you're violating you know, one of our rules about a rule you know, that God made that has nothing to do with you know, what, we're, you know, what we're doing in this instance. I thought it was really curious, too, that he would approach these um, people or this particular man and even ask him, do you want to get well? That was an interesting, it's a very curious question that to me that Jesus would even no, pose it, that it to really him. is. Yeah. I mean, you know, the snarky answer would have been, what, 
I've been coming here every day for 38 years, <laughs> trying to get in the water. I no, know. no, just uh, hanging out. But, but it is, pool. you know, it is a, it is a, it is a deep question, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a question. I think, uh, you know, uh, Jesus would ask of all of us, "Do you want to be whole?" Right. I mean, because you know, there, there are, you know, I, I, I can do that, mm-hmm. and, and it's not so much about you know healing a paralyzed man as is all of these. You know, John tells us are signs that point to something much deeper, the restorative work of God. You know, in the world and in humanity, as He brings and calls, you know, people to Himself. But it is unusual mm-hmm. that uh, in many cases people seek Jesus out. In most cases, to be healed, right. Jesus in this particular instance seeks this man out. Mm-hmm. You need to be healed, mm-hmm. and, and the man doesn't even you know get his name. Yeah, I don't know. You know, he, he, he didn't even you know, he didn't even get his name, yeah. and and you're not you know sure exactly you know what's going on here, but you just see the sovereignty of God as He, in His grace, meets this man where he was and and, and makes him whole. And I love verse seven where it just really describes obviously this man's state, but also all of our states. He is, sir, mm-hmm. I have no one to help me, and then he encounters Christ, who mm-hmm. graciously does help him, um, which is mm-hmm. just a great reminder of the gospel and where we are outside of the help of Christ. Yeah. yeah. It's nothing I can do myself I and do no this. one mm-hmm. around me is willing, you know, to, uh, to tough it out with me and to wait. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 was, you know, the legend that everything you know, on in the waters would stir and that was an angel dipping. And so the idea is the first one into the water, you know, would be healed. I'm not sure if that was actually happening or that was a false hope, mm-hmm. you know, that they were fixing their, you know, fixing their, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, their affections on or their desires on, uh, you know, being their desperation on. But uh, you're meeting the one who can help you and not get into the water, but just say, uh, get up and take your mat mm-hmm. and, and walk. And then later on, he sees him. And I'm I'm guessing that's when the man understands who this particular person is. And uh he sees him and he says, you are well again, so stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So just that thing, I mean, he was healed, but yet maybe hadn't even like walked away from, you know, some uh, something in his life. And, and, and you're going to see this pattern, you know, not only here, but also, you know, in the woman caught in the act of right. adultery, the pattern, the pattern is Jesus acts in compassion and then he calls people uh you know, to a better way of life. Yeah, I love that. So uh, he, he heals him first, but then he confronts him and said, you know, mm-hmm. this is not your biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, your biggest issue is not, you know, whether you can walk or whether you can't walk. You know, your biggest issue is the things that separate you from uh, the love of the Father or mm-hmm. the grace of God, and that is right. is that your sin. And, of course, we don't know that, you know, that he's a notorious sinner or anything like that. We, right. we just know that the real issue that all of us must deal with beyond, you know, the, our outward, you know, concerns is mm-hmm. the deep inward concern of what our sin does to us and in, in, in our fellowship, you know, with God. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you have the nice little reference where you even have Jesus say, if I, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Mm-hmm. In, other, in, in other words, in the law, right. uh, you, you weren't to testify on your own behalf. You were to have others testify for you. And, of course, he points to the ones that testify for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Father, whose very works, in other words, what you have just seen in this man is the testimony of the Father. 
you know, that I and the Father are one, and that I do only what I see, you know, the Father doing, and my Father has been working to this day, which is, is, is kind of interesting, because the Father established the Sabbath, but that doesn't mean he has stopped working in creation mm-hmm. in order to accomplish his purposes, and Jesus is illustrating mm-hmm. deeply what his purposes, what his purposes are. Mm-hmm. So it's been a fun section, and as usual, and, and John, we're leaving a lot of theology on a the table, but uh, we have come to the end of our podcast. And do you mind mm-hmm. closing us with a no, word prayer? I don't mind. Father, thank you for um, this gospel. Thank you for the words of John. Uh, may they fall deep into our hearts, Lord. May we not just read them and walk away, but may we be changed by what we have looked at today. And Father, may we be quick to come to Christ and to... Uh, search for him in the scriptures and to and to want to know him and walk with him above anything else. So in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.